I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting, and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. Join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and welcome to episode 176, in which I got some new toys. And I'm recording this on Sunday, February 22nd, 2015. I am using my headset microphone, my USB microphone, instead of my regular microphone, because I'm wondering if that might not be some of the audio issue that... Um, some folks have been having. I didn't actually hear anything back on the last episode to know whether it was as quiet as past ones have been. Um, again, they all sounded the same to me <laughs> when I checked them back, so I can't really tell. But I do know there were some things about my uh, external microphone that were really starting to bug me, which I think might just be showing its age. I'm not really sure. It is. I've probably been using it four or five years, maybe a little bit longer. And, um, well, no, I guess that I couldn't have been because I've been doing this podcast for five years. So probably about three years, maybe four, that I've been using my external microphone. And it's a very nice one, but it's developed a clunk that I can't figure out where that's coming from. And um, I'm starting to wonder if that might not have something to do with the quieter audio as well. So anyway, I'm using my other headset today. I hope it's not a problem. There's a reason why I stopped using the USB headset and went to an external microphone. So this is kind of, you know, a test. Uh, In any case, I have... um, a couple of announcements to make, one of which you've heard before, but now I can actually confirm it, and then uh, some Sandy update and some listener feedback. But I also have, I guess part of the Sandy update, I do actually have some uh, resource slash notions reviews kinds of things to talk about based on some stuff I've been using lately. So let's get started. Uh, The first is to confirm that yes, indeed, I am going to be at the Regional Quilt Show in Kansas City, which the dates are something like June 29th to, uh, I'm sorry, no, June 19th to 21st, um, or whatever that weekend is. I think it actually starts on a Wednesday. I have the 19th in my head, which is the Friday, because that's the day I'm going out. I think classes actually start on the Wednesday, so it's probably something like the 17th to 21st. Uh, but in any case, if you look up Kansas City Quilt Show, June 2015, you'll you'll get to the website. I know that, of course, Darla and Jackie will be there. I will be um, visiting with them. We're all going to be doing a meetup at the at the conference, and I've heard rumor that Tammy of Colorado might be trying to go, and maybe Gretchen too, maybe, um, and there may be other people. I don't know. Those are the, the folks that we've been talking on Twitter a little bit about, so there will definitely be a Twilter meetup sometime that weekend, uh, so you'll just have to, if you're not on Twitter, just shoot me an email. We're going to have to figure out at some point closer to that time how we're all going to communicate with each other to figure out when and where we're going to be doing the meetup or multiple meetups. Uh, So I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. And actually this summer I have a almost an embarrassment of riches of quilt conferences because I think I've mentioned this before as well. We have gotten word that AQS is going to be hosting one of their quilt weeks in Syracuse, New York this summer. And Syracuse is only about an hour and a half away from me. That one is July 29th through August 1st. 
right now. Yes, I am planning on being there as well with a bunch of my quilty peeps from this area. Um, it all kind of depends right now on when my husband and I end up taking our vacation. We are hoping to do a vacation sometime in July or early August, but it hasn't settled yet. Um, and, you know, I know normally I would actually try to work it around that date, but we have a lot of other things we're also trying to work around. <laughs> so that's why I can't 100% guarantee yet that I'm going to be at the Syracuse AQS show. But, you know, it would be really very disappointing if there was one finally within a very easy reach of me and I ended up being out of town during it. So I'm doing my best. Um, my third announcement is only that I have been able to confirm several really cool things for my fifth podcast anniversary giveaway, which is going to be in March. And I haven't entirely decided how I'm going to do it yet, whether I'm going to start the giveaway at the beginning of March and then do the drawing at the end of March, which is when my fifth podcast anniversary would actually be in which case there would be a longer period of time for the giveaway or whether I would try to do a real short blast giveaway and just announce it and make the drawing like a week or two later. I just, there's again, some things with me being in and out of town and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to decide how that's going to play out, but just know that I've got some really cool gifts that I've confirmed. Um, and I may also throw some stuff in for my stash. I'm kind of in a clean it out phase again, and I know I've got stuff that other people would really appreciate having that I'm just not using. So I may do some of that too. I may also just do that kind of randomly for no reason, throw in a giveaway once in a while just to get some stuff off of my shelves. Um, so anyway, those are the announcements. So let me know if you're going to be in Kansas City. Uh, Look at, I know there's a bunch of Northeasterners who would be within easy reach of the Syracuse AQS quilt show, so you might want to check that out and get it on your calendar, whether or not I'm going to be there. Um, I can guarantee you my friends that'll be there, they're pretty fun too, so you could meet up with them. Okay, Sandy update. Um, the Ginny Buyer block of the month, I've only done one of the two blocks so far. I, uh, I'm hoping to get to the second block this week. Um, Although I've got a lot going on, I'm out two different nights this week, and then I've got conference calls one of the nights, maybe two of the nights. So this is kind of a busy week for me in terms of my evenings and not getting any sewing stuff done. So I may not be able to get to it until next weekend. Um, but I, you know, I really would like to try to get both blocks done before the March block comes out. So we'll see how that goes. The first block that I did do of the two February blocks, I did it all by machine, and man, it went so much better. <laughs> It just went so much better. Yeah, I still had to use some templates, um, although I also didn't, she, in some steps, you have the choice between using her templates and doing the rotary cutter. And so wherever I had a choice, I did the rotary cutter instruction. So I wasn't doing as many templates this time as I had to last time. Uh, the second block, I think there's only one of the steps you can do rotary cutter for, if I recall. I remember thinking there's a lot more templates on the second block. Um, and the second block is where you start doing set and seams and that kind of thing. So um, that's one of the things I needed to do. I've actually never done a set and seam. I'm not concerned about it. Um, I've done enough reading about how they've been done. I'm, I'm really not worried that I'm going to mess it up somehow. I really feel like it'll probably go relatively smoothly. Uh, I just haven't taken the time to do it yet. I've, I'm kind of in this mode right now where every time I do something that is feels like a little more of a I don't want to say an obligation, but something I don't enjoy doing as much, then I want to reward myself by doing something fun. <laughs> and so I did one block and then I wanted to do something else and then go back and do the second block. So I just haven't gone back and done the second block yet. 
But I will say doing that first block, not only by machine did it go much more f quickly, but it was also for me a lot more accurate. My second block this time came out almost exactly the right size. It's still just a hair shy of, I think it's supposed to finish nine and a half inches and mine finishes just shy of nine and a half, which means if I give it a really, really solid press, I could probably get it out to nine and a half. Um, whereas if you recall, when I did the first block, the January block, I pieced that one by hand and it came up really short. Um, now, a lot of people, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that you'll see the chatter on in the discussion boards of this Craftsy Block of the Month. And because it's a free class, Ginny Beyer doesn't actually engage in any of the conversations. It's just student-led discussion. So it's just students talking back and forth to each other. Um, and so a lot of people are having problems with the blocks not coming out to size. And the biggest issue, of course, is when you print off the templates on PDF, you've got to make sure, first of all, that your printer isn't print shrinking them to fit certain margins. You have to make sure it's printing to scale. Um, but then secondly, everybody's printer is a little bit different. And even in the space of one page, you can have just slight variations from where the lines are and how thick the lines are printing. Um, and it is amazing how quickly that stuff adds up. So that's my issue with using templates is when we're printing them off ourselves. You know, it's one thing if you are buying a kit that comes with pre-cut plastic templates in it, or if you're using a ruler template kind of thing where it's a single size that you are handed, then that's one thing. Sure, that might be very accurate, but when you're printing PDFs on your printer, there is so much variation from one person's printer to the next, even when you're not scaling it, that it could be all over the place. And as we all know, if you've been quilting for any length of time whatsoever, if you even have a couple of threads difference in your template, but you're cutting five of those pieces, those couple of threads are eventually going to add up to an eighth of an inch, a quarter of an inch difference. Um, and so that's where I'm, I'm really struggling with anything that uses templates or patterns or anything that you have to print off a printer, because it is just by nature less accurate that way. Um, but that's that's my rabbit trail for <laughs> for the day um i still you know i've still got to do that second block and that means i've got to do my templates and uh, i think i might have already cut my templates now i don't remember that was a week ago and i've done a lot since then did i cut my templates hmm i might have to go check that out uh but in any case so that's something that i've still got going on um it is interesting at the same time that i was working on these couple of blocks and then other projects i had going on um kati was an enabler, our friend Kati. Uh, she got talking on Twitter one day about Debbie Caffrey's Cut To It class on Craftsy, and it was during the weekend that they had the Craftsy sale. And so I had got a, gone ahead and bought that class, and I was watching it while I was working on these other things. And she actually has, Debbie Caffrey has some techniques that she demonstrates that might help you avoid having to cut templates. You can actually use your rotary cutters in certain ways. And it, it, I mean, it's a whole, it depends on the template. It depends on the size and everything, how you do it. So you, you really have to watch her class to understand what I'm saying here. Um, but I took out my ruler and using her techniques. No, I think I haven't cut the templates yet because now that I think about it, I think I'm going to be able to avoid cutting some of those or making some of those templates. I think I'm going to be able to use my rotary cutters in certain ways instead of using templates. So I'm going to be 
that's part of why I didn't get that second block done, because I really want to go back and watch that part of her lesson again and sit there with the templates that I'm supposed to be cutting, because I did print it off. I've got the PDFs printed to scale as much as it can be. Um, so I know pretty much what the sizes and stuff are supposed to be. So I really want to look at, can I actually use Debbie Caffrey's techniques and avoid having to do templates, at least as many. There's still a couple I'm going to have to do, but at least maybe not as many as I would have had to do otherwise. And um, I think it's going to work. I think it is. So I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Hopefully my next episode, I will be able to update you on how that worked. Um, after I did the first block, I decided kind of, you know, I'm in this thing now where I'm trying to get myself to do stuff I've been avoiding doing. <laughs> And so I decided to make a duffel bag. This isn't as random as it may seem, because <laughs> again, I have a lot of patterns for this kind of stuff around. And I have one booklet that I, I think it came as an insert in a magazine at one point. I've had it for years because I made one of the tote bags I made is out of the same booklet. And there's a duffel bag in there that I've always really liked. And it looked fairly straightforward. And years ago, and we're talking like six years, maybe seven years. Uh, I bought some pre-quilted fabric that I was going to make either another tote bag or a duffel bag or something with. I didn't have any of the patterns with me at the time that I bought this fabric. And so I just sort of vaguely remembered, well, I think it was something like two and a half, three yards, something like that. So I think I bought, when I measured out the fabric, when I pulled it off my shelf the other night, I think it came to something like two and seven eighths yards. So I think it was supposed to be three yards, but was cut shy. And um, so I, I went through all my purse and duffel bag patterns to figure out which one would actually use this amount of fabric and found out that it was, yes, that duffel bag in that booklet used most of it, not all of it. Um, but so anyway, it is fairly straightforward, but there were a couple of places where I think there were sentences missing, you know, because they're trying to conserve space. So they're trying to be as concise as possible in their directions which means I think there's some copy editing issues. I think nobody actually went through and pattern tested these patterns after they were put into this booklet. Because um, there were a couple places where I had to kind of look at the picture to figure out how they had actually done the step that they had written in the, in the thing. It had to do with the pockets, the way the pockets were done. But in any case, since I had actually just done that craftsy class and done those other two bags, I was more readily able to kind of intuit how things were supposed to work, which that was helpful. Um, the one problem I had, the handle that you do, you do it the way you do a lot of these handles where you, f you press it in half to give yourself the center line, but then you open it back up and you fold both sides of the strip in towards the center and then fold it in half again. So you're, you're encasing all of your raw edges and then you um, top stitch it. And I've done those handles before. Um, and I didn't have any problems when I did it on the, the bag uh, for the crafty class. The problem I had with this one is it's stinking long. It's really, really long because you you cut two strips. I think they were like both 43 inches or so to start by four inches wide. You cut two strips and then you sew them together into a loop and then you do this whole pressing, folding and everything. And I thought I had been so careful every step along the way, I kept checking to make sure I wasn't getting a twist in it. Somehow, when I got it all done, I had a twist. I don't know how. And so I decided, okay, rather than trying to rip out the seams and start it all again, <laughs> I figured out, all right, well, you know, I can put a seam 
on the bottom of the bag that nobody's ever going to see. So I just chopped the thing, pulled the twist out of it, and did a zigzag stitch to put it back together, and then laid it out on the duffel bag and somehow still had a twist in it. I don't, I just, now, I do know what was going on. It was 9.30, 10 o'clock at night by this point, and I had been working on this thing for a couple of hours. So I was just too tired. I should have just walked away, but I was like, I can't, you know, I've just got to get this, this, handle done i wasn't going to try to get the whole duffel bag done but i just wanted the handle done so i had to cut it again and i cut it in the same place got this time i made sure i got the twist out of it and then i zigzagged that seam back together and and zigzagged it on both sides i mean it is you can't pull that thing apart and so that's going to go on the bottom of the bag i did debate because i did actually end up with some extra fabric left over and i thought do i just make new handles now because um, there were a couple things about the, the top stitching. I didn't like the way it had turned out in all places because it was really, really thick. This particular quilted fabric is actually wider, thicker than the tote bag I made that used pre-quilted fabric. Um, so it was really hard to do the top stitching and keep it all even because it kept kind of wanting to slide. Even though I tried to pin everything, it was bending my pins. It was that bad. Uh, so I decided, no, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, I'm the only one that's going to use this tote bag. I'm not giving it away to anybody or it's never going to see the light of day. It's going to be my quilt retreat tote bag, basically. So that's why I was okay with saying, you know, nobody's going to look that closely at the handles. I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, the, the thing I'm having the issues with is now that I'm actually working with this pre-quilted fabric, um, the last pre-quilted, this is only the second time I've used it. The first time was for, uh, that I've used pre-quilted fabric. This is not the same fabric. Um, and pre-quilted fabric, for those of you who don't know, is fabric that comes with two layers of fabric and batting on the inside, and it's already stitched together, usually in a diamond grid, typically, is how pre-quilted fabric is. Um, and it is really fast to use. When I used it for the tote bag, it was a really nice pre-quilted fabric. It's usually reversible. So you have one, you have like a print on one side and a coordinating solid on the other, which is again, very handy because then you can just use the reverse side and have contrasting pockets and all that kind of stuff, which is what I've done. Um, the first time when I did it on the tote bag, the pre-quilted fabric was clearly pretty high quality now i know that i i thought all pre-quilted fabric was the same well no because this one as i'm using it i'm seeing now that i'm up close you know because when i first bought it i bought it off the bolt they cut it it's stuck in a bag and then i i've had it folded on my shelf for seven years so i haven't really looked at it that closely um but now that I'm actually working with it, a lot of the stitching is kind of loose. A lot of it misses. It's not actually a solid grid. <laughs> it's really, it's it's not a high quality fabric, which is all the more reason to turn it into a duffel bag that nobody else will ever use. Um, the other thing I'm finding is it's got, it's dirty, but it's not like dusty dirty. There's actually something in it. And now because it's been on my shelf for seven years, I don't know, was that on the bolt? Was it something that, you know, crawled in there, died, some sort of insect or something? I don't know what this is. It's It can't be insects because it's too big. And I, I've never had that problem in any of my other fabric. So I, I, it must have been on the bolt, had to have been on the bolt. And I can't, I couldn't figure out really how to pre-wash pre-quilted fabric because it's all raw edges. You've got all that you can't, you know. So I ended up deciding, all right, I'm going to make the duffel bag and then I'll wash it. I'll wash the whole duffel bag. So we're going to see how that works. <laughs> Hopefully 
that'll be okay. Um, I mean, a lot of the dirty parts are ending up inside. Like I folded some of it. It just ended up happening this way. It wasn't like I did it intentionally, but some of it is now folded on the inside of the handle. So actually, I doubt even if I wash it, is the washing actually going to penetrate that far? I don't know. This will be interesting. Um, but again, I didn't really want to wash it when it was all raw edge. So we're just going to have to see how that goes. I have had to hit a pause point, however, um, in the duffel bag making because nobody had the zipper in the size I needed and the color I needed. I went to Joann's. I went to Joann's online. I searched when you go on Joann's online, you can actually look at different stores, whether the item is in stock in different stores. It wasn't the color I needed. The size I needed wasn't in stock anywhere. I went on Amazon, couldn't find it. Or no, I'm sorry. I went on Amazon. It's not on Prime. So I did end up having to order it. I had bought a zipper at Joann's not in the right color, thinking, well, okay, this will do. But when I got home, I was really like, no, I really don't want that color. I want this other color so because I want it to blend. Um, so I did end up ordering it from Amazon, but it's not a prime thing, so I'm not getting it in two days. It's going to probably come sometime, maybe even next week, not this week. So that means at this stage, the, the duffel bag's kind of on hold until I can get that zipper in because pretty much the next step is, I think, doing the zipper. But that's okay, because that gave me the chance to get back to some of the other stuff I really wanted to do more. <laughs> so back to the, you know, switching back and forth from stuff I enjoy doing to stuff that I'm trying to do for other reasons. Um, I spent this afternoon, this, this weekend, we went up to see my daughter at her college, which is about four hours away. It took us four and a half hours to get there. Um, on Saturday because uh, the snow was pretty bad as we were driving up there, but we got there. It only took an extra half hour, so it wasn't too bad. Um, and it, it's her birthday tomorrow, so that's why we went up. We went up yesterday afternoon. Um, we didn't have to leave home until after lunch because she was working yesterday anyway, so we weren't going to try to get up there until she was already off work. And so we took her out to dinner last night, and then she ended up staying in our hotel room with us overnight just to, to get herself out of her house, although she really likes where she's living but still you know it's always nice to be somewhere else for a night so she spent the night with us and then we went to our favorite diner on the way out of town um, when we left this morning and we got back here around one and then i went straight to the gym i was a good little gym girl today um and then when i got back i decided okay what do i feel like working on right now what would be the most fun for me to do and i decided the next thing i wanted to work on is the next design from my art quilt design class that I took a few weeks ago. Um, if you've been following my blog, you know I already finished the one project, and I think I probably talked about that in my last episode uh, because I think I finished it on President's Day. Um, and so that, that design, Nooms, uh, is already completed, and that was my snow dye challenge with Sandy. Um, I had another design that I knew wouldn't take me that long to at least put the foundation part of it together. And so I decided to get that done today, partly because I think it fits the homework we're supposed to be doing this month for my design study group and design study group meets on Tuesday. So I decided if I can at least get the foundation done, then I can bring it for show and tell on Tuesday and then finish it later. Um, and so I had a ball doing that again. It's all it's using all of my hand dies. It's using one of my longer um, what I refer to in my own mind as a, one of my tapestry pieces. I have several pieces, most of these I did last year, I haven't done one in a while, where it was a half yard of fabric. So it's 18 inches wide by 42 long. So it's a very long, skinny piece. 
And the reason I call them tapestries is because I had done several where I'd kind of tray dyed them, where I had put them in a container and then done different colors in different places on it. And when you pull it out, it kind of, it, it, it's hard not to use it as a whole piece. It really is. I could easily cut it up because you get different colors in different places, but the real impact is using it as a whole piece. And so, um, the, the background for this particular one is one of those tapestry pieces. And then I'm using some of my hand dyes. It's, it's actually, it's really a color study. And um, it's basically what I did was I did fused circles, which it's really hard to cut a circle when you don't have like an, you know, I'm, I'm not using mechanical cutting things. I'm using my scissors and hands. And no matter how hard you try to draw the circle and then cut it, it never quite comes out a full circle. But I mean, a real, a, a mechanical circle, you can see wobbles here and there. But you know what? It's made by hand. <laughs> and so that's part of the art, I guess. Um, but anyway, it's got circles in contrasting colors i basically reversed the colors of the background in the circles and it it just looks really really cool and the reason i think it works for this month's um design study group is because we're working on luminosity and this is actually the second time we've done luminosity but this is the first time i've done homework specific to luminosity the last time we did it which was maybe a year ago now i had a piece that worked for it but i had already done it and i hadn't done it specifically for luminosity this time I didn't start out thinking, oh, I want to do homework for luminosity. But as this concept started developing in my mind, I realized, oh, wait, I think this is going to work for luminosity. Let me see what will happen. And so as I put it together, I was like, yeah, this definitely works for luminosity. Um, so I've got the circles I'll fuse to the background. So I've got enough to bring to my um, design study group on Tuesday. What I'm pondering now, I've got it up on my, my design wall so I can let it brew for a little bit. Um, I have some ideas. I've, I've been, you know, it's been brewing for a couple of weeks now and I've got probably three or four different directions I've thought about taking the next step. So I just need to kind of let it simmer <laughs> and maybe I might do the thing where you cover it with saran wrap so you can draw on the saran wrap and see what, what it looks like without actually sketching out on the quilt. Um, so anyway, that's just kind of where that is, is I'm, I'm letting it, uh, percolate a little bit but it was it was really cool um putting it together and seeing how the colors play together i don't know i might post a color a picture of it now but i also kind of this is where yeah i'll talk about process and such but i also hesitate to put too much out there too soon because then i tend to get a lot of opinions when i may not be at a point where i'm ready to hear opinions and that doesn't mean i don't value everybody's opinions but y'all might know sometimes when you're in a process you need to just listen to yourself and not hear what other people would say and i'm kind of at the point right now where i'm thinking i need to just listen to myself for a couple days um now obviously when i take it to design study group that's going to be opening it up to other input again so part of me kind of wants to have a firmer idea before <laughs> i get there on tuesday of what i want to do it's not again it's not that i'm not open to other opinions but i i really i want to see what comes out of me first and then if I'm stuck, then I'll hear other opinions, but I don't want to get, I don't want to get myself confused really, you know, where I'm following somebody else's vision rather than my own. That's really what it comes down to. Um, okay. On to other things. I, uh, did, I am so close to finally finishing the appliqueing on the butterflies. 
on the background of the Sus Fargo project, at least the, the first layer, I should point that out. In Sus Fargo's design, in her design sense, this is, I'm not following a particular design to a degree I am, sort of. But anyway, in the Sus Fargo Craftsy class on embroidery, which offhand I can't remember the title of, but I've mentioned it before, so it's in there. But if you look up Sus Fargo, I think she's only got the one class on Craftsy. Um, she does layered applique and what that means is she you know on felted wool you've got a felted wool background and then you layer some fabric in shapes on the fabric on the felted wool and then you do whatever your major design element is in this case it's butterflies and you do those also in felted wool and you applique that to the background and then you actually layer fabric on top of the butterflies too to highlight you know like you might do a teardrop shape on each of the wings that kind of thing and you applique that on and then you get to the embroidery well i'm finally I have half of one butterfly left to do the initial applique of the butterfly onto the stinking background. I haven't even gotten to the layering yet. And I've been working on this on and off for what, about two months now? I think I started it right after Christmas, so we're getting pretty close to, yeah, right around two months. And I feel like, you know, I'm taking this class to learn embroidery and I haven't even gotten to <laughs> the embroidery so i sat tonight after i'd done the foundation of the other one and knew i needed to just let it percolate for a little while i put my um applique butterflies out onto my onto my cutting table which by the way i love the fact that i've got both of these um cutting mats out there now because it just creates for me such a nice big surface to work on in general and um oh i think i had mentioned on twitter and i think i talked about this last week on my episode where um, they tend to slide around the cutting mats, and this has always been the case when I only had one. It was especially bad that they tend to slide around on the top of the cutting table. Um, but now that I have two, I'm trying to keep them together because sometimes I do cut over the top of where they join too. So I'm, I'm trying to keep them from slipping. And I had been thinking, do I use Invisigrip? Do I use whatever I use? Well, when I was at Joann's the other day, I was picking up various supplies for various things. And I went to... Um, I think it was in the scrapbooking section, but I found what's called poster tape. And it's basically a double-sided tape, but it's heavier than just a double-sided scotch tape kind of thing is. It's just a little bit thicker. Um, and so I bought some of that. And I just put a piece on each end between the cutting mat and the um, and my cutting table. And it, it holds it beautifully. I didn't even have to use that much. It's just enough to keep it from slipping. And I wanted to use something like that because of course I might pick these up and move them around. I may not always want them exactly where they're supposed to be, or I might want to flip it over right now. A la Debbie Caffrey's suggestion. I have one that's line side up and the other one line side down because sometimes those lines do get distracting. Um, but it might be in some case, I want the other one line side up. So, uh, that poster tape is removable and it's not supposed to leave any residue or anything. So that worked beautifully. Um, so if you're having problems with your cutting mat sliding around your cutting surface, let me suggest some of that poster tape. It's worked really, really well. Um, that's a sidebar. <laughs> it didn't really intend to go there. Um, but in any case, I was working on trying to come up with what fabrics I might layer on these butterflies for the second layer of fabric. And yeah, it would look a lot more interesting, but man, it's going to take me forever, <laughs> even if I do the second layer by machine, which is what I'm thinking about doing. So now I'm trying to decide, do I go ahead and layer it? Do I only layer some of them? And I, I did go through my scraps and I found 
what I think will work is layers for probably about half of them. So maybe I'll only layer half and then the other half I'll just do some sort of um, bigger filler embroidery kind of thing. Maybe that's what I'll do. You know, I don't know. Um, I'm just, I'm getting impatient to cut to the chase at this point. I just want to get to the embroidery. So that's where I am on that. Um, but I will finish that other half of the butterfly. I, the only reason I didn't get it done is because the last butterfly, I ended up using wool thread again, which means I'm using my big chenille needle. And this one happens to be over, it's not only felted wool, but it's halfway over a batik that I've got layered on there. And man, pushing that chenille needle through the felted, through a couple of layers of felted wool and a batik and fusible, <laughs> it's, it's hard work. And so, it's just my fingers were killing me and I'd already finished two other butterflies um, before that, not with, I was using a different needle and different thread. It went a lot faster. So my fingers were just so sore by the time I got to that one. And I said, I, I can't, I just can't push myself anymore. So I've still got half of a butterfly that I'm going to try to finish tonight um, while we're watching TV. I believe my husband wants to watch the Oscars. I'm not big on watching that kind of stuff, but you know, I'll be, I'll be jovial and sit next to him on the couch and watch it as long as I have something else in my hands that I can do. Um, what else? Oh, I did join Sandy of Quilt Cabana Corners. I finally remembered to send her the email to officially join her mug rug potholder swap. Um, if you're interested in taking part in a mug rug swap and or a potholder swap, make sure you go check out her blog and podcast. Again, that's Quilt Cabana Corner. Um, you can choose which one you want to do. And I'm doing the mug rug. And <laughs> that's partly because uh, there's actually two reasons. One, I have recently been thinking, boy, I'd really like to have a mug rug. Um, I tend to always have a glass of water or a glass of tea or a cup of tea or something going. And particularly on my cutting table and my sewing table, I don't have anything to put anything on. Um, and so I often have little bit of drips of tea sitting, you know, in circles all over my cutting table and, and such. And so I've been thinking I really should make myself a mug rug. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, I can I can do Sandy's mug rug swap. So I did plan on doing that. And the other thing is I actually really don't like using pot holders. And I always have to joke to laugh when I think about it, because my husband and I were engaged for two and a half years before we got married. We didn't, we were still in college, so we weren't living together during that two and a half years. We were engaged for two and a half years. And I always say we got all of our arguing done before we ever got married because everybody else talks about, oh, the first year of marriage is so hard. You do a lot of arguing and everything. And, and we really didn't because we had already been engaged two and a half years. We had gotten all of that figured out. But the one argument we did have probably the first week we were in our apartment. We know we got married, moved into our apartment, and it was over whether we were going to have pot holders or oven mitts. <laughs> and it actually got surprisingly heated as we were trying to decide what, which we were going to have in the kitchen. And it took us several minutes to get to the point where we said, okay, let's just have both. And to this day, now we've been married, well, we've been together like 30 years. We're on anniversary 28, I think, coming up in October. And, um, you know, we've been married long enough that I have to stop and think to figure out how long I've been married. That's how long we've been married. But to this day, we still have both oven mitts and pot holders in our, in our kitchen. And it's because I grew up, my mother always used oven mitts. And so I grew up using oven mitts and I can't use pot holders. I burn my hands every stinking time I try to use a pot holder. Whereas my husband had grown up, his mother always used pot holders. So he grew up using pot holders and he thought oven mitts were just big and clunky and uncomfortable and he hated the way they felt. And so really, 
it, you know, obviously the argument had a lot more to do with family traditions and trying to figure out who's, you know, how do we get these two separate family things in one place? Um, but it's, I've actually written, I wrote an article for a magazine at one point about the oven mitt versus potholder debate. <laughs> So when Sandy was talking about her giveaway challenge, or not giveaway, I'm sorry, her her swap, and she said, you can either do mug rugs or pot holders. I was like, ah, I'm not doing pot holders, no freaking way. I'm only doing the mug rugs. So uh, there you go, Sandy. Now you know the whole backstory to part of why I'm doing a mug rug. Um, what else? Oh, I've got, let's see, I finally put some magazines back on my iPad. If you've been listening to this podcast for all five years you know i used to be a real magazine junkie um and to a degree i still am if i'm not feeling well or if i've been traveling and i know i just want to have a quiet day at home you know just need to kind of rest and recuperate i still tend to buy myself a stack of magazines I, there's just something about magazines that i love i don't however subscribe to as many quilt magazines as i used to and part of it's because i'm just in a different place now um I will still periodically go out and buy a bunch of quilt magazines. Again, if it's, you know, like I just bought a bunch last week because it was really snowy. I wasn't getting out of the house much. I was feeling sorry for myself. And I was like, I want to get some magazines. So I got a bunch of the quilt magazines. And I literally, each one I sat down and I went through it in about five minutes. And I was like, no, nothing in there interests me. You know, it's, it's just not where I'm at at this point with my quilt making, except for quilting arts magazine. <laughs> I still, I still read that one. Well, Quilting Arts, I used to subscribe to on my iPad, but I had stopped getting, I used to do a lot of magazines on my iPad and I'd stopped doing it so much because um, they take up an extraordinary amount of space. And I have a lot of apps. I basically use my iPad as a replacement laptop. When I travel for work, I don't bring a laptop anymore. I bring my iPad. So I've got, you know, a lot of the office apps. I've got um, OneNote. I've got all sorts of stuff on there that I use for work. And so I just don't have room for a lot of the magazines. But this weekend I decided, you know, I really should go back to having some of those magazines on my iPad because it is so much nicer when I do travel or if I'm sitting in front of TV at night, I can be, you know, going through that instead of playing iPad mindless games, which is what I've been doing lately. So I put Quilting Arts back on my iPad and that is a nice one to have on your iPad. They really know how to use the iPad technology um, or I should say tablet for me, it's an iPad. I think you could probably do it no matter what your tablet is. Um, the other, I bought two, well, one magazine, I bought a real magazine, and then it was advertising a digital magazine that I then bought. And they're both, I believe they're both Australian. And one is called, oh shoot, I should have looked up the name. It's the one I bought, the actual physical magazine is called Felted. Um, Australian people, let me, Australian, New Zealand people, let me know if I'm getting that wrong. I think I am. Um, but it's about needle felting. And one of the things I've thought is if I don't really have time to learn to spin, which I really may not, <laughs> I don't do it that often. Because when I do finally have time to do something crafty, I tend to want to do quilting, not spinning. Um, but I still like it in theory, so I haven't quite given up on the thought yet. But anyway, I thought I do have all these fibers. Maybe what I should be doing is dyeing them and then using them for felting because you can, there's a variety of ways you can do needle felting, but one of the things you can do is using it as texture on art quilts, which I've messed around with a little bit. I haven't actually used it officially in an art quilt yet, but I do know how it works. Um, and I've got all these great fibers. So I 
picked up this magazine at Joanne's and I thought, well, yeah, I'll, I'll look at it. And it's, and it's really cool. <laughs> it is really cool. I don't know if I'll subscribe to it because I don't know if it's something I need to be looking at every month or however often it comes out. But it is, it's a very cool magazine and there were some really cool ideas in there, one of which was really cute birds, <laughs> needle felted birds, um, which I tweeted because as everybody on Twitter knows, I have a real thing for pudgy birds. Now, these birds weren't quite pudgy but they were really adorable but still yeah i'm not going to make them don't worry jackie everybody else that was telling me to you know put the magazine down and walk away <laughs> i'm not going to do it um but they are cute to look at uh but then in that one i saw an advertisement for another magazine that i did subscribe to digitally which is called embellish again it's i believe it's australian might be from new zealand but i'm thinking australian i'm sorry again my Aussie New Zealand friends, correct me here if I'm wrong. Um, that one is also really, really cool. And that one is about embellishing quilts. So it's it's more broad stroke, you know, a lot of different kinds of things in it. They had a whole thing on um, seed stitches and various embroidery stitches. And it had a thing on beading and it just had a lot of cool stuff in it. So I am looking forward to subscribing to that one. And that one I will have digitally on my iPad. Um, I did get the latest physical issue i subscribed to machine quilting physically but i haven't sat down and looked at it yet so i just got that i think saturday right before we left and i didn't throw it in my bag to bring it with me so i can't wait to look for that and then this coming saturday i'm taking another class um, which again i've talked about with tina somerset this saturday is the one that's colors and curves and they finally got the description right on the website so i can finally tell you what it's all about uh, the website was all screwed up uh, for a while between the the two classes that she's offering because she kind of threw them in there last minute and they weren't the person that put them up on the website messed it up the first time they finally got it fixed so um, the class on saturday here's the description we will play with possible color palettes the goal will be to expand the color palettes we already use to include subtle colors and shades organic colors and unlikely color combinations we will look at the roles that different colors play in an art piece thirdly we will learn to cut without rulers and sew curvy lines we'll look at how these wonderful lines can be used in our art quilt work so I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. And then the following Saturday is the art quilt design class that I already took, but I'm taking it again with a bunch of my um, art, my quilty friends from my design study group. I think we're up to, oh, I think there might be five of us all going over together, which will give it an interesting, different dynamic for me. Because the last time I took it, I didn't know anybody there. I, you know, I just took it. This time I'm going to know probably most of the class unless they suddenly have an influx of other registrants um it might actually just be us it'll be interesting to see who else registers but um so it'll be it'll be neat to see how these people that i really know react to the class and what comes out of all of them so i'm, I'm looking forward to that one too um plus i'm going to have show and tell from the last class i took with me <laughs> to be able to show the um tina summers that hey you know here's what happened with those designs so that'll be kind of fun um so that's all I've got going on. Let me give you my resource reviews. This is ending up going to be a longer episode than I thought it would be. I guess I've been doing a lot. Um, I need to give sort of a thumbs down to one tool I bought. This is Aline's glue pen. Aline is A-L-E-E-N-E-S. Um, I've used other Aline's glue for other things, and I've used her um, fabric, or I shouldn't say her, I don't know, maybe it is a woman that owns it, maybe they just use the name, but Aline's fabric stiffener is what I used in one of my projects a while back, and I've never had a problem with the products. This glue pen was a pain 
in the butt to use. Real pain in the butt. It's a good idea. Um, what it's supposed to do is it's applique glue, but it has a finer point tip, so you can really just, you're supposed to be able to just thread a bead of glue around. Um, I could not for the life of me get this glue out of this pen. It was so hard to use. And I was, you know, literally I had it in my fist squeezing, trying to get just a little bit of glue on the um, butterflies. I was using it to glue down my butterflies because the fusible just stopped working. Um, that's a whole other story. But I just, you know, I'm about ready to toss this thing. Now it's got enough glue left in it that I don't want to just throw it out because it was not cheap. I have seen other brands of glue pens. So if any of you have used other glue pens and really like them, please let me know because again, it's a good idea. Um, and I've heard people in my guild talk about using them and you know how much they love them. This thing, no, it, it just wasn't doing it for me. It was so hard to get the glue out. It was, it would have been just easier for me to grab a tube of Elmer's glue and just do it that way. Um, so I, I'm not recommending at all Aline's glue pen. Um, the other thing I just bought, which I haven't even had a chance to use yet, but I've used the junior version of it, is the Super Slider, which is the um, piece of, it's sort of a Teflon-y kind of thing that you put under your machine, under the foot of your machine when you're free motion quilting, and then you put your quilt on top of it, and it just makes it easier to slide around. I have the small size of it. I've had it for a few years, and I really, really like it, but the problem is the small size of it fits my machine but it butts right up against one place because i have a recessed cabinet and so it tends to catch when i'm machine quilting my quilt tends to catch on the edge of where that slider is compared to where the edge of the recess is which is virtually impossible i think for me to really describe in a way you can understand without seeing it um but i finally ponied up i've had the queen sized one in my wish list on Amazon for freaking ever, but I kept not wanting to spend the money. I finally decided I'm doing enough of these art quilt things now, which are smaller pieces, which it would really help to have that queen size slider. So I finally, I got it today, actually in the mail, I, which means it came yesterday and I just got it today because we were gone. Um, so I really am looking forward to using that. If you've not, if you're free motion quilting and you don't have one of those sliders, let me highly recommend the slider. It really really helps really makes a huge difference in how easily your quilt moves around underneath the machine and the queen size one does feel pricey um, but it will cover more of your surface area now again that all depends on what your machine setup is um, for me with the recess cabinet i think this is going to come out over the top of where the the edges are that i've been having problems with in the past so i'm really looking forward to using that I have been playing with an app on my iPad, and this one I have not looked up. I don't know whether it's also available in Droid. Um, most times they are, but not always. This one's called Quiltography. It's not cheap. It's $14.99, which in the app world is like insane. But I decided, okay, let me see if I can, I'll, I'll go ahead and try this because it is a quilt design app. Um, and I have EQ7 on my computer, but half the time when I'm designing a quilt, I want to be downstairs, you know, in front of TV. I want to be messing around with something on my iPad. I have a laptop, but it's really old 
and it does have EQ7 on it, but it can tend to hitch up a little bit because the laptop is so old. So I read the description of Quiltography and I thought, okay, if this could replace EQ7 for me in terms of the, I mean, I would still use EQ7 on my computer, but if I just want to play around with designs or whatever, let me try it. And it actually, it, it does pretty well. If you are used to EQ7, you're going to feel the lack that it isn't EQ7. But if you've never used EQ7 and you're looking for a quilt design app, I think you would be very happy with this. Um, it has a pretty good selection of traditional blocks that you can drag and put into quilts. You can also recolor them. Um, I think you can also move the lines of the block around. You can certainly create your own block. Well, see, now I'm getting a little confused because I was also using EQ7 back and forth at the same time. I know in quiltography, you can create your own block. It gives you a bunch of shapes that you can then drag and drop onto this grid to create your own block. And I, I was playing around with that. Um, again, you can recolor. It comes with a fairly limited selection of sort of mock fabric colors and such in the app. But you can take pictures of fabrics from your own stash and put them into the app and then design with your own fabrics. And that actually, I did test it out. It worked pretty well. Um, just like with EQ7, because you can scan your own fabrics into EQ7 as well, you have to figure out how best to scan it and size it so it's the most fair representation in the block of what you're actually going to see when you use the fabric in your block. In other words, when you take a picture of fabric, it's going to come out whatever size you're using. You know, you can mess or it can, well, you probably have figured out what I'm trying to say here. Um, when I did it in quiltography, I took... I have a collection of fabric that I bought as a collection, sort of, um, and I wanted to see, okay, what can I do with this particular set of fabrics? And when I took pictures of them and moved them in, one of them is a large floral print, and it was hard to know if I was really looking at what it would look like in a quilt or if I was seeing it bigger or smaller than what that print would look like in the quilt. Um, now, obviously, I could fix that by taking out a ruler and measuring what it looks like on my computer, on my app and then going and I wasn't getting that detailed, um, but you, you could easily. Um, you can get yardage then when you create a quilt using this app. It'll then tell you how many yards of each fabric you need, but you don't. This is where I felt the lack from EQ7. You don't get a printout of the rotary cutting instructions or anything like that. You know, the, the level of detail you can get from EQ7, you won't get on quiltography. Um, I also don't remember, and I'm sure I'm sure you probably can, but I didn't get to this, this level of playing with it yet where you can design stuff on point or non-traditional settings, you know, where you've got blocks of different sizes that you're kind of meshing together. I, again, I don't know if you can do any of that on quiltography. Um, so it's really good at the basics at what it does i don't know how uh how much you can really custom do custom made stuff in it but it is cool that you can take pictures of your stash and, and put them in there pretty easily so if nothing else you can at least play around with stuff to get a feel for you know if this is going to work together if these fabrics are going to work together that kind of thing um that can be fun so uh that's quiltography app and again, I know it's, I was using it in the iPad. I can't guarantee you whether it's available on other platforms or not. If any of you out there use it on another platform, leave a comment, let us know. Um, and then the last thing I, I got, um, I bought a book called Trey Dying, Exploring Color Texture and Special Effects. Um, it's by Leslie Morgan and Claire Ben of Committed to Cloth is the name of their um, art company. Um, 
basically what this is, tray dyeing is, as it sounds, dyeing fabric in trays, um, which is very basic, and I've played around with it a little bit, but what the, what they were doing is really showing how you could do different fabric manipulations and different ways of applying the color to get different types of effects. Um, and so I thought it was worth the money for the book, and it comes with a DVD. Uh, the DVD isn't quite as much value added as I was hoping, and I think part of that was because I just came off of watching Ann Johnson's new, I'm sorry, I didn't write down the name of it. Um, I've had it for a few months now, her her DVD, which is really extensive on dying. Um, this one, their DVD is basically maybe 20 to 30 minutes, and it's just them demonstrating the basics. They were at a quilt show of some sort. Um, they're English, and they were at some sort of quilt show in Britain, and they were in the studio at the quilt show, and this is they were demonstrating it, and this is what you then saw. And then they, t they do a little introduction, a little thing at the end. So it's helpful, but it's not, like I said, it's not as much value added as I had hoped it would be. But that being said, the book was excellent. There was a lot of really good information in the book. It's extremely text heavy, so it takes a while to read. Um, <laughs> I guess I've gotten used to a lot of quilt books where there's a lot of white space, a ton of white space. There's not much white space in this book, so it, there's there's just a lot of content. Um, lots of good information about how different colors strike, which the color the word strike means how fast and how hard colors hit fibers because they don't all work the same. Um, you've you know heard me maybe or see me post on my blog about how particular colors are more aggressive than others. That means they strike faster or they might strike more deeply or whatever. Um, they have information in there about temperature considerations, color combinations you might want to do, and, and even some ideas for how to get particular colors, but not straight up recipes. They just talk about what colors combined gives you different kinds of effects. Um, they go through all the foundational information that you need to, to go it alone with tray dyeing, but they do also have several specific effects and color combinations that you can try yourself. And then they also include information about over dyeing, which is when you've dyed it the first time and then you dye it um, again once it's dried, you know, completely dried from the first time. Then you dye it again in a different color to get a different effect. Um, they also talk about using leftover dye soup, as they call it. When you've finished dyeing, you've got all this kind of combination of others, of all the dyes sitting in the bottom of the pan. And they talk about the fact that you can use that. Now it's it's not as good to use the dye soup because it's already got soda ash in it, which means it's already partially exhausted. Uh, it partially, it, it's already not going to dye as well as fresh dye concentrate will, um, but you can still get something out of it. And so they talk about how they've used that in theirs and give some ideas for that. Um, plus, they then also have a troubleshooting section. So um, this weekend... I have containers of a variety of sizes, but I didn't think I had any that would really let me get, you've really got to scrunch up the fabric um, and have it really kind of pushed into a small space. And if, if you've got fabric really scrunched up in a big container, it's just going to wash out anyway. It's just going to move when you put the liquid in there. So you really need to have it be able to be tightly packed in the container. So I didn't think I had any containers that were quite the right size. So I ended up going to the dollar store 
and I bought um, some their dish pans, but man, I wouldn't want to try washing dishes in them. They're pretty small, um, but they're buck a piece. So I got like five of them, I think. Dollar Store is great for supplies for dyeing. If if you're getting into dyeing or if you've been dyeing, but you've only got, you know, a couple of containers, I found a lot of stuff at the Dollar Store. Um, I actually don't end up with a lot of recycled containers because we don't use we don't eat a lot of the kind of food that gives you containers you could use like you know sour cream we don't eat sour cream we don't eat i, I eat yogurt but those containers are too small <laughs> for me to use so i don't have a lot of recycled containers i can use um you know what few i've got i've tried to use but those that's what most people use is they you know their tubs of butter or their whatever they've had in a plastic container that's what they use i have to buy my containers because i don't end up with them um, so like I said, I get 90% of them I get at the dollar store, which is great. Um, so anyway, that's, wow, I'm at an hour and I haven't even done listener feedback. So I think I'm going to hold off on listener feedback for a week. Um, and next week I'll be able to talk to you about my uh, class that I took on Saturday and then we'll do listener feedback. So that means you have all sorts of more time to get some more comments into me. I like comments. We all like comments. You always hear the podcasters talk about please comment to us because it just makes us feel like this is more of a conversation than a monologue and that's always more interesting so thank you for listening um and please keep listening and especially because in a few weeks you're going to get some chances at some great great giveaways uh so meanwhile if you do want to leave a comment you know how you can get a hold of me you can email me at sandy quilts at sandy with a y quilts with a z you can follow the blog you can follow me on twitter pinterest goodreads um flickr you can like the quilting for the rest of us page on facebook i'm sorry did i say in all of those places i'm sandy with a y quilts with a z um and you can find me on craftsy if you could find me but i am i try to always post at least one comment in almost all the classes i take and I've got some projects up there. So again, I'm Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z. And you can join, you can like the, I'm sorry, no, you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. Please do love to see your pictures. And you can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Kiva team and do good all over the world. And you will find links for all of those things at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thanks.